Welcome to No Marks Allowed. This is Antonio. This is the show that covers sports, sneakers, and culture. And let's get into it. As you see, I'm holding the flag well. Gotta upgrade the hat because the Lakers got 17 championships, not 16. But I got the Lakers jacket on. Don't Lakers jacket. The Lakers dunks. I'm representing, even though we didn't make the play-in. And if you ask me, the Lakers didn't deserve to make the play-in. They lost seven... Their last seven games. And I'm going to tell you, this is not Westbrook's fault. It's not LeBron's fault. It's the Lakers' front office fault. And now the media, they let the media control the narrative. At first, I sound like a broken record. They were talking about firing Frank Vogel before the All-Star break. And then on an episode of the NBA on TNT, Charles Barkley was like, well, they put all these old geezers together. Frank Vogel's a good coach. And then it was a sentiment from the media where it was media outcry that Frank Vogel was a good coach, but good coaches don't win championships. Great coaches do. That's why Frank Vogel only has one. And that came in the bubble against a Miami Heat team that had Jimmy Butler missed games, Drogic missed games, Adebayo missed games. And they didn't even sweep. They won by two. So who knows? Everything that could have went right for the Lakers in that bubble championship rent right for them. Sort of like my 2015 Denver Broncos. And you've seen what happened after that season. The next season, we hit the bubble. We we in the playing game. So now Frank Vogel should have got fired that year. Because this year, anything that resembled a regular season or close enough to the regular season, he has the Lakers at the bottom of the standings. And the Clippers were, were out Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for most of the season with Renorex, and they still made the playoffs. I, I don't even think they're in the playing game. I think they might be 8th, ninth, or 10th, whatever. But this Laker team is terrible, especially when you got the Minnesota Timberwolves like 10 games over 500. And they're going to use Russell Westbrook as a scapegoat because the media never liked them anyway. Where the scapegoat should be Frank Vogel in the Lakers' front office because they had plenty of opportunities to make a change to see if something different worked. And they didn't. They stood pat. They even suggested that Russell Westbrook, the media said Russell Westbrook should come off the bench and play six-man. And when the media was asking Westbrook if he would do that to make the team better, Westbrook was saying no. And then they was telling Frank Vogel that he should do that. And Frank Vogel didn't do it. So he didn't do anything as a coach. He didn't take leadership by saying you know, um, Westbrook come off the bench because you play better when you and LeBron isn't on this court at the same time. You can ignite the second unit. No, Russell Westbrook didn't want to do that. Then LeBron James, he didn't make a sacrifice and say, well, I can play off the ball. And Russ, we know you would dominate when you had the ball in your hand. So you take the keys to the car and now play off the ball because LeBron is a better off the ball player and an overall player than Westbrook. No, LeBron took it upon himself. The, you know, average 30 points a game, go after Kareem's all-time record. And LeBron was the only person that benefited from this season. No one else benefited from this season for the Lakers except for LeBron James. And the funny thing about it is LeBron James couldn't make his teammates better and end up being not even able to get into the playing game. And this is ridiculous, but here's another thing we got to look at. Not only this is Frank Vogel's fault, uh, Russell Westbrook has something to blame. LeBron has something to blame. You know, Anthony Davis has something to blame. He wasn't he he wasn't healthy. So going into next year, you can forecast 
seeing that Anthony Davis is going to miss games. LeBron is going to miss games. Russell Westbrook doesn't fit with this team. So if you're going to have Russell Westbrook on this team, make sure you get an offensive coach that play a fast pace, like a Mike D'Antoni or a Mark Jackson. You cannot come in here with another defensive coach. Terry Stotts coaches a, a high-pass offense. You have to get Terry Stotts, Mike D'Antoni, or your man's Mark Jackson. Because if you don't and you bring in another defensive coach, that is not going to work. And I feel like Russell Westbrook's legacy is on the line. I mean, he's supposed to get 44 to $47 million next year. If he comes back next year and sucks it up again and the Lakers end up not making the playoffs, his legacy is on the line. Now, if he takes the buyout and was like, I want to be put out my resume, I'll take the buyout. Let me go somewhere else and make this money. And, you know, see what I can do with another team. And he's averaging triple doubles. This thing is all over. Westbrook is a Hall of Famer, and you just couldn't fit with LeBron. But if you stay in Lakerland just to get that big contract and get that money, and you still don't work out next year, your legacy is on the line. And they're going to forget about your other 10-plus years. They're going to remember the two you played with the Lakers and that you ended up sucking. Here's a good trade. I say the Lakers trade... Uh, Kimba Walker, no, the Lakers get P Kimba Walker for Russell Westbrook. You give away Russell Westbrook for Kimba Walker. Westbrook would be excellent in that New York offense with Barrett, uh, Fournier, um, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. You imagine the oops, Obi Toppin, and then you give Kimba Walker the ball where he can play off the ball and he can hit open jump shots. He still has a little game left in him. And with Anthony Davis, you bring back Kendrick Nunn, who didn't do anything this year, didn't even get on the court. I feel like the Lakers could be a top four or five seed in the West. So they need to make that move. But I feel like another factor that's in LeBron missing the playoffs two out of the four years that he was in L.A. is because of the West. The West has the major part of doing, um, has a major part to do with this as well, because the West is just harder than the East. You're not going to eight straight finals in the West. You couldn't even go to two straight finals. You couldn't even go to the playoffs when it wasn't the bubble twice. So if they never had a playing game, the Lakers probably would have been the eighth seed or probably wouldn't have even been in it. So I feel like Westbrook is going to be the scapegoat for the Lakers not making the playoffs, and I feel that it's wrong. I feel like it's on the front office. Jimmy Buss, Rob Palenko... Palenka, they had many times, many chances to change things or to see what something worked. Vogel should have been done before All-Star break, but no. They sat pat, didn't do nothing, didn't make trades, didn't go in the buyout. Um, the buyout, well, they did get um, one guy in the buyout. I forgot his name. Uh, Light-skinned point guard. Let me know in the comments. But, yeah, the Lakers front office, the whole organization was just a shit show this year. From Westbrook, Jeannie Buss, to Anthony Davis's injuries, but I feel like the Lakers have excuses for not making the playoffs, and it doesn't need to be all put on Russell Westbrook, which they'll probably do. Conversation is officially over. It was never there for me. It was always Michael Jordan first, LeBron second. But if ever there was any doubt, this cemented 
the fact that LeBron James cannot be considered to go. That conversation is over. And you know why it's over? Because LeBron James was on the Lakers averaging 29, 30 points a game, and this still happened. If he was injured and missed games and he was playing hobbled and we looked at him and he's averaging 16 or 17, you know what? He can get away with that. We can look at him and say, damn, he was really hurt. He just wasn't healthy. Oh, no, 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 no. You were good enough to average 29 a game. How come you weren't good enough to get your troops in order so you could be a respectable team? This is a man that spoke out and said he was against the playing. Now you ain't even make the play. <laughs> on top, it's Davis who comes down with it. Foot feels better on a dead and just really waits for you to make a mistake. And the Lakers have the... Now the Nets won the latest edition of Boney, V-O-N-Y, the battle in New York against the New York Knicks. And, you know, the Knicks was up by 17, and you would have thought one Stephen A. Smith would have been happy that, you know, his beloved Knicks has, you know, taken out a title contender at halftime by 17. But it wasn't the case. Here's what Stephen A. Smith had to say at halftime of last night's Knicks-Nets. The New York Knicks lead the Brooklyn Nets by 17 at the half. Stephen A. Mm. Smith, why don't you look happier? Because these are the Knicks that we're talking about. All they're doing is setting me up to just lose it and be miserable for the rest of the night. They got a good lead. They're comfortable. They're up 17, and they're going to blow it. Damn. You're right, Steve. That's typical New York. They let you down. And imagine how the crowd felt. At, you know, Madison Square Garden, when they're up by 17, to the team that the nation looks at still, despite being playing tournament contenders as a championship contender. So it's like, bro, you know, um, it's like, yeah, we're the Knicks. We're beating these title contenders with Kyrie and Durant, Seth Curry, and uh, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. We're up by 17. And then at the end of the game, you find yourself losing. This is ridiculous. And I feel like the Knicks um, blew it. Like Magic said, they should have got Lonzo Ball instead of um, keeping Kimbo Walker. They would have been better. And they never did that. But I feel like the Nets aren't out the woods. I mean, a playing game where you can't lose to more than two games. If you lose two games, you're out of it. Depending on where you're seated, if you lose one game, you're out of it. That's not a given that the Nets will win the plan. When you got Charlotte with LaMelo, Ball, uh, Scary Terry, um, you know, Mikel Bridges, that's a very good team. And Michael Jordan has that team on the up and up. And all you got to do is give LaMelo Ball the confidence like he had already when he defeated the Nets uh, last week, you know, it's just like this isn't a given for Brooklyn. Like the Charlotte Hornets is an eighth seed, seventh seed, ninth seed, just like the Brooklyn Nets are. And the Brooklyn Nets, yeah, you do have Kyrie um, Durant, but you don't have Ben Simmons. And I feel like this is a mistake by not having Ben Simmons play until the playoffs. If he's not going to play in those playing games, are you just automatically saying you're going to 
windows playing games that's bulletin board material for atlanta and um charlotte and atlanta you don't want to get in into it with a hot trigger trey young you see what trey young did in last year's playoffs that's one team you don't want to see to make the play-in tournament and hope they don't have to. Because with Trigger Trey, Bogdan, Capella, John Collins, like, you know, Hunter, that's a deep team. And, and you know, Atlanta probably would have been in the finals if Trey Young wasn't hurt. If he was able to, you know, suffice to that injury, they took Milwaukee to the limit. And even though Milwaukee beat them without... Giannis, I feel like a healthy Trey Young with John Collins, Lou Williams coming off the bench, Hunter, uh, Bogdanovich, like, that's a deep team. Then you got, I can't forget about Charlotte either. Like, you're going to tell me that that's a given for them to beat Charlotte uh, and Atlanta two games in a row, and Atlanta is just as desperate as Brooklyn is, but the media is acting like Brooklyn is automatically going to win in this playoff game. But Brooklyn has the same sense of desperation as anyone else in a playing game. Because if they lose, say if they like the tenth seed, they lose once, they out of it. Say if they're the ninth seed, you know what I mean? You can lose two games, that's it. But two games is real easy to lose when you get other teams as hungry as you are. Last year, the, the Hornets blew it. They got blew out in the playing tournament. Or was that the year before? But I feel like with LaMelo Ball, he's a bona fide leader. He's a bona fide star. Mikael Bridges, uh, Scary Terry Roger. Like, these are veterans that's on the Charlotte Hornets team now. And I feel like they can compete with Brooklyn. They went into Brooklyn and beat Brooklyn. Then Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, the Trey Young, at the helm, who's probably the East Coast version of Steph Curry. Matter of fact, he is the East Coast version of Steph Curry. He's the incumbent inherent of Steph Curry. So you got him to deal with. And he doesn't want to be out of the playoffs just like New York's going to be out of the playoffs. So I think Brooklyn has his work cut out for him. And the media need to chill out and pump their brakes on just saying Brooklyn is an automatic, you know, as far as winning that play and then getting into the playoffs. Got to play smart basketball. Oh. Irving comes up with a steal. Irving racing in. Finds Durant for the hammer. Now that was textbook. Trey works on Patty Mills. Gets to the glass and lays it in. That was in honor of Will Chamberlain. Right, right. <laughs> Miss free throw. Here's Trey going in. Thomas bangs him all the way on the baseline. He scores anyway. He continues to beat the big off the dribble. Those guys will get shot after shot after shot. Trey, nothing but net over Kyrie. 71-63. Trey lets it go and gets it over Kyrie. How about them Cowboys? Now the Dallas Cowboys was 12-4 and last year which was really good, but they ain't win the Super Bowl. And every year you have the media that likes to dick ride the Cowboys and say how bad and how much of a failure they are. Every year they make the playoffs and don't win their Super Bowls or don't go to the Super Bowls where their teams don't make it at all. So the Cowboys are always going to have high expectations from the world because their fans is going to have those high expectations. 
And when they don't deliver on those high expectations, the world is going to come down on them. Even fans, even media, even Stephen A. Smith, who loves to hate the Cowboys. But we thought, you know, they made some questionable moves this offseason by getting rid of Randy Gregory, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, and just left C.D. Lamb. And I'm thinking, wow, if the Cowboys are rebuilding, why don't they get rid of one more person? And here's a few teams I think could use that person. And that person is Ezekiel Elliott, the all-star running back, the all-pro running back. Their coveted rookie from a few years ago who they drafted in the first round. I feel like if people say Tony Pollard is better and if the Cowboys think they're better, move on from Ezekiel Elliott. And let's talk about the teams that can use Ezekiel Elliott. My Denver Broncos. When you say we're Antonio, they got um, the Williams guy out of UNC. He's trucking people, carrying people for 10 yards a carry, running over people. He almost had 1,000 yards splitting carries with, you know, Melvin Gordon. Well, that's the point. The way he runs, he won't be able to last long getting 25 carries a game. Let Zeke come in with Russell Wilson, the great receiving core, and take some of those carries away from, you know, Jamal Williams. You can have a thunder and lightning um, combination. And Zeke is a, you know, he's a good receiver out the backfield. I mean, so he can, he's probably a better receiver out the backfield than Williams is. So I feel like the Denver Broncos can use Ezekiel Elliott. He might be a little bit too expensive. Um, but Zeke will be right in Denver. The Kansas City Chiefs, they need to run the ball. They throw the ball too damn much. That's why they lose Super Bowls. That's why they, why they lose AFC championships. Their running back committee is not good enough for people to fear and to, good enough to execute a four-minute offense. You just lost Tariq Hill, and who knows? You replaced them with um, Smith-Schuster. Hell no, that shit is not going to work. You need to take some of the burden off. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Because that receiving core is not that. You know what I mean? If all those touches are still going to Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey, Zeke Elliott can give you four or five yards as carry. You know, he's on a Super Bowl contender. I feel like Kansas City will be a Super Bowl contender if they have a one-two punch with Hilaire and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, that would be the goal. Ezekiel Elliott can take the lion's shares of the carries and let Hilaire do what he does best, catch balls out of the backfield and become the weapon receiving the ball as well as running. You had that one-two punch that the Patriots had. Not the Patriots, I'm sorry. That the uh, Bucks had in Fournette and Ronald Jones. The third team is in the AFC West, too. Damn, the whole AFC West can use Ezekiel Elliott. The San Diego Chargers. Austin Eckler was doing way too much. I feel like the Chargers was better when they had the Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler tandem. Like, Austin Eckler shouldn't be running the ball out the backfield 20 times a game. He's that change of pace back. You can get Zeke Elliott the ball 22 to 25 times a ball game. Wear teams down, and then you can bring Austin Exler to catch balls out of the backfield, run the ball. He can be that third down back that he's accustomed to being, and you wouldn't have to rely too much on the young quarterback, Justin Herbert. So those are the three teams I feel like Zeke Elliott will be 
awesome in the AFC West. The Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the San Diego Chargers. Teams that need to run it with two running backs. Teams that need to take carries off, you know, take loads off their running backs. And two carry two and teams that need a running back, a, a every down running back like Zeke. Now the last and final team in the AFC that can use Zeke Elliott is the Buffalo Bills. They got Vaughn Miller. They had Emmanuel Sanders. He might not be there uh, next year. He's a free agent. They got you know the receiving core with uh, Stephon Diggs. Like they're ready to win now, but they always been missing that run thing on offense and defense. On defense, it was a pass rusher. On offense, it was the running back that can tote the ball 22, 23 times a game. And whoever said you don't need a running back like that in these times is crazy as fuck because you do. Look how look why Buffalo has never been able to go to the Super Bowl because they couldn't run the four-minute offense. But Ezekiel Elliott, Singletary, he can do what he do, be that change of pace back, catch balls out of the backfield, you know, Spell spell the running back at sometimes. Be that third down block back. Have him block for Josh Allen. But as far as Singletary and Zach Moss, the one-two punch is just not effective at all. You might as well just have Josh Allen throw the ball. But with Ezekiel Elliott toting that rock 23 to 25 times a game, in that cold weather in Buffalo, you can cancel Christmas if the AFC Championship's in Buff. And that's the thing about Buff. They always had to go on the road for the AFC championships or the divisional round, and they ended up, you know, getting eliminated. Remember Buffalo used to have home field advantage in the playoffs? They went to four straight Super Bowls. So imagine if Buffalo had Von Miller on defense, added a uh, you added a um, Ezekiel Elliott, that would be sort of what the Rams did to win their Super Bowl. They were right there, but they couldn't get over the hump. So they added Matt Stafford, Vaughn Miller, Odell Beckham, people that they ended up needing at the end of the, of the season because of injuries, and they'll help Buffalo propel to the Super Bowl. I feel like Zeke Elliott could be that running back that gets Buffalo over the hump and make them go to the Super Bowl and possibly win it. They already got the guy they needed on defense, which is Vaughn Miller. Now they should get the guy they need on offense, which is Ezekiel Elliott. Me and Kurt feel the same Too much pleasure is pain My girl spites me in vain All I do is complain She needs something to change Need to take off the act Ain't no time to wait Tryna move in the hills or violate Tryna buy mama crib in the day Like if I was Kanye But I'm not like I need to pick up the pace Like if this life shit was a race I gotta do the dance like TK Ain't no coming in last place now let's get into some culture. The Senate has confirmed Jackson to the Supreme Court. Kentaji Jackson is the first black woman to hold an office in, or hold a position in the Supreme Court. And this is great because before that, you know, it was just all men. You know, all men. And it was only a few black people in the Supreme Court that held positions in the Supreme Court. So Kentaji Brown is like the third to get in and we gotta give credit to Joe Biden because Joe Biden since he became president he got more accomplished in like the first two months than Donald Trump did his whole four years and now we do have inflation now but you know 
we had the high gas prices, the war in Russia, but this Supreme Court is more important than all of that. See, niggas is only worried about gas money. That's how petty you stupid motherfuckers is. When Biden won the election from Trump, you had stupid people saying the election was rigged and really didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. When Biden passed all those bills, get get the PPP loans um, running, getting COVID, you know, controlled, like, that's how Biden won the election, by doing what he said he was going to do. You got to look at the bigger picture, not about filling up your gas tank. Like, it's only, you only think about yourself. And a lot of black people, you know, that's where they go wrong when they say stupid shit like this. Oh, Obama didn't do nothing for black people. Oh, Biden ain't for black people. He's raising the gas prices. But look at all the other things he's doing, like help people get more COVID tests. Um, getting infrastructure bills passed, getting pandemic relief bills passed. Something that Donald Trump really didn't give a fuck about. You see what I'm saying? So when you look at this Russian thing and you look at a couple of months of inflation and gas prices, you got to look at the bigger picture. Like, you know, you look at Donald Trump's cabinet, it's like a, a good old boy's Klan rally. You look at fucking Biden's cabinet it looks like what the world looks like you gonna go out and see black people mingle with spanish people you're gonna go out and see indian people running your um store running your grocery stores you're gonna see middle eastern people you know helping out like owning businesses it's just not gonna be whitewashed and that's what biden is doing like you think if Trump was office, he wouldn't have no niggas at all in the Supreme Court. He would shut that shit down. Ketanji Brown would, would never been thought of in the Republican office or Republican Senate. And that's why it was so important for us to win that election in Atlanta because it took control of the Senate so we can get a black woman in Supreme in the Supreme Court like Ketanji Brown Jackson. So... Don't let you paying an extra $20 in gas make you sound like an idiot, like a dickhead, and become a Trump supporter when Biden just got the first black woman in the Supreme Court and only the third black person to hold a Supreme Court position. So please, like, just stop it with this Trump shit. You faced insults here that were shocking to me. Well, actually not shocking. But you are here because of that kind of love. And nobody's taken this away from me. So you got five more folk to go through. <laughs> five more of us. And then you can sit back and let us have all the debates. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a well-charted Senate floor because it's not going to stop. They're going to accuse you of this and that. Heck, in honor of your person who shares your birthday, you might be called the communist. But don't worry, my sister. Don't worry. God has got you. And how do I know that? Because you're here. So you thought I was done talking about Kanye? But I'm not. Because, you know, Kanye West won a Grammy, but he also made news um by dropping out of Coachella. He also made news by saying he was worth seven billion. But 
I'm just wondering, did he drop Donda 2 too early? Because Donda, the first Donda was album of the year, memorable, memorable songs, and now Donda 2 is not even getting talked about. Did he drop Donda 2 too soon? And me, with so much music out and so much music that we consume, great albums don't get lost in the shuffle. I remember um, everybody was begging Playboy Cardi to drop an album for two years, a whole lot of red. He dropped that whole lot of red on Friday, and we forgot about that bitch on Monday. Well, it wasn't like that with Donda. Like, Donda, too, like, it resonated with the young, the old, whoever, what era of music you like, whether you like 90s hip-hop, 2000 hip-hop, today's hip-hop, 80s hip-hop. Donda, the first Donda resonated. It was just like a musical masterpiece. This Donda is like, I, I listened to it. I think I really got to sit down to it. But it seems like Donda 2, maybe I'm wrong, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but it seems like Donda 2 is just a bunch of songs he didn't put on Donda 1. Now, I must admit, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet because I've been skimming through Benny the Butcher's album and Conway's album, but I need to really sit down and listen to this Kanye West album, Donda 2, and find out. Is it good or not? Let me know in the comments if Kanye West's album is good. I know he had the City of Gods with Fibio Foreign and Alicia Keys, but that sounds like it would be on a mixtape. That don't sound like a Donda type album. I know he has Future on there as well, but I'm feeling that he should have dropped Donda a little bit later and mixed all the controversy with Pete Coachella. And him saying that he's worth $7 billion. He probably is worth $7 billion. I know one of those outlets had him at $7 billion, And I think that's if everything went well. That's what Forbes said. But shout out to Kanye, man. He dropped out of Coachella because I guess, I don't know, they're not letting Travis Scott perform. Which, I'm glad to see Travis starting to go out in public again. But they're still trying to blackball him for what happened in Astro World, And I just want to know... When that astral world thing and that astral world case is gonna come to light, because I want to know what really happened from the witnesses, from the concert goers to the staff to the security. I just want to know. But I feel like Kanye dropped Donda too too early because we haven't even got a chance to digest Donda one. And I have Donda two, but I haven't listened to it. So that should tell you something because Donda one, you put it, you know what I mean. And it was just a go. You listened to, to, to the whole thing straight through. So let me know in the comments how Donda 2 is before I sit down and listen to it. Because I've been busy. Baltimore Ravens because I'm reading reports that Julio Jones is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And how can the NFL let this happen? Like, bro, 
How can the Ravens, you know, let this happen? They know they need a wide receiver. A wide receiver, you know, you got a rookie in Bateman. You got a young guy in Philly Brown, Speedy Brown. You know, Marquise Brown, those guys aren't ready to win now. Mark Andrews is not ready to win now. You need that veteran receiver. Don't get the leftovers. Like Big Daddy Shane said, what you want? Dope or dog food? Get the dope, not the dog food. Don't get the Randall Cobb. Don't get the injured Odell Beckham. You don't know at any moment his leg can go limp and he's injured. Get the Julio Jones. Now, Jarvis Landry is out there, but is he going to be reliable enough to be that Anquan Bowden type receiver that took the Ravens offense over the top when they won the Super Bowl in 2012? That's when the Ravens finally got over the hump, and I sound like a broken record because history repeats itself. When you have a young star quarterback, you need him to have that veteran receiver that catches everything. And Anquan Bowden was a bona fide perennial 1,000-yard receiver when the Ravens won that Super Bowl. And I don't know, what do they expect Lamar to do? Like, you can't run the ball like the option like Notre Dame used to do back in the day. That They're going to key on that and make Lamar beat you. Like, last year, ever since Lamar been starting in the NFL, he's been doing 80% of the work on offense. I would say 75 since we got, you know, different running backs, but... Yeah, that's too much. They want Lamar to do every fucking thing. Throw the ball, run the ball. No, get him some fucking help. Get Julio Jones. Like, if you can convince Julio Jones to play with Lamar Jackson, that would be awesome. The only thing Julio Jones could say no to Baltimore is to Tampa is Brady has won rings before. But I feel like with the weapons that's coming to Cleveland, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson, I mean, Pittsburgh, they're getting a new um, quarterback. Then you got Cincinnati, who's loaded with weapons that Joe Burrow has chemistry with, like Chase, Boyd. You see what I'm saying? And then Gronk says he wants to play in um, Cincinnati. So the Ravens are going to be in some trouble if they can't score. Like, running the ball is not going to work. And I feel like Julio Jones will be perfect. But don't end up with no fucking Randall Cobb. That's what it looks like the Ravens are going to be stuck with. Devontae Parker is in New England. And Tampa Bay is talking about getting Julio Jones. Three options right now is Jarvis Landry, who might return to Cleveland now that Watson is back. Odell Beckham. And Randall Cobb. Meanwhile, they better get the snap here because the play clock is at one. They do. Off they go. Catches may get the first and the left corner. Julio Jones. And it's finished. Yeah. 